0: Welcome to Parkview. We're glad you're here. All of our campuses online. uh, We're really glad. And I want to invite you back next week. I want you to tell all of your loser friends who've been avoiding uh, a series on money to come back next week, all of you who are watching online, okay? Because Father's Day is going to be amazing. We do have a touch-a-truck thing, which meaning, you know, meaning you bring your kids and let them crawl around on a concrete truck or a fire truck or whatever. We're going to have uh, stealth bombers, Air Force One, um, uh, an aircraft carrier, all kinds. Of, I mean, it's really going to be an amazing day. So so uh, come out, and you know, it's just going to be a fun, it's macho fest, man. I'm telling you, Call of the Warrior, I can't wait to preach about, uh, about what what it means to be a Christian guy and a Christian father and uh Cover of Zach Brown's My Old Man to make the guys cry. I mean, it's gonna be a good day. Okay, so be back next week. Father's Day's back. Back in the black. Okay, uh, um, I'm pretty good at airline travel. I've logged a ton of miles. I don't know how many, uh, but but I'm in special categories on Southwest and United. You know, because I've flown a lot and I never check a bag. Okay, because we all us experienced travelers are like, no, I'm not doing that unless I'm with the woman who recently packed a 49.5 pound suitcase for a two night trip to New York City. I ne- I'm, not, I'm just saying, I, I, never, I never check, okay? But in spite of, you know, my TSA pre-check status and my vast knowledge of what's legal and not legal to carry through, um, every once in a while I show up with something I'm not allowed. Don't, do you do that? You know, like pocket knife or the dreaded 3.5-ounce bottle of shampoo or a giant bunny, you know, or whatever it is, okay? And in those moments, I have to make a decision. Am I going to go back and check it and hope I still make the flight? Or am I going to leave it there and kiss it goodbye? And what am I going to do? I'm going to leave it there and kiss it goodbye. I don't own a nice pocket knife. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to even travel with anything that, that might possibly get left behind. Because I, I think that it's more important to make the journey than to try to keep my stuff. All right? More important to make the journey than to try to keep my stuff. Only Only one time did I go back. And that was to help my daughter, because I'm a dad. Is my, do- my my Father's Day story? We're coming back from a missions trip to Kenya. My middle daughter had bought her boyfriend at the time. Uh, 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 you know, you, you go you go buy all the junk. You know, the the memorabilia or whatever. So it was this elephant head. Looking thing uh, that was a, like a wall hanging kind of thing that she thought was cool it had little wooden tusks on it and everything and, and it was it was it's really pretty but we didn't want to check it because we were afraid it was made out of wood it might break so we carried it on so uh, but it had these little tusks on it and evidently security in Nairobi is pretty tight because um, they wouldn't let me check it through they were afraid it was going to hijack the plane with my elephant mask <laughs> um, so. So I'm like, okay, okay what am I going to do? Well, I did the dad thing and ran all the way back through the Nairobi airport in my socks cuz you know that was before TSA precheck. In my socks so that I could skip back through the line and get back up to the guy who was going to let me come back through after I got rid of the elephant mask. And I paid more than way more than she paid for the present to have it wrapped and shipped through with the luggage to the other side. Do you know where that mask is now? I recently found it in one of my closets in my home, right? Take me to Cuba. I don't understand, okay? I, I, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong. She didn't forget to give it to him, and he didn't give it back. They actually ended up getting married, and I think this is probably what sealed the deal. Don't you, ladies? Okay? But, 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 when they moved to California, her bedroom became, you know, a storage unit for all their stuff that they weren't going to take to California, and this was in the closet. So, in other words, that prized possession that I spent stupid money and time on and risked missing a flight out of Africa for, if I had known the future, it just really wasn't worth it. If the current me could go back through time to that guy running through the Nairobi airport in his socks, it'd be pretty easy to say, dude, that ugly thing is not only not worth it in the first place, it's actually going to end up in your closet for the rest of your life. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Do you have anything like that in your closet? Literally or figuratively, that thing that was so important that you went went out of your way to try to deal with and and to try to figure out what to do with, and and now you look back and it's like sitting in your closet somewhere. This is why Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. (laughs) Uh, 10639, Celtic Court, okay? Thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, yeah, we, we've been talking about our treasures and how we do things, and I know listening to a preacher talk about money seems like, you know, it's probably self-serving, and I'm trying not to make it be like that at all. And I also want you to know, you ought to be able to look around your campus right now and go, you know what, uh, I mean, I, I ought to be able to at least trust that somebody around here knows what they're doing with, with, the, with the eternal treasures, okay? Because some amazing things have been accomplished around here. I mean, in business standards, we are a Fortune 100 company. We're one of the 100 largest churches in the country out of 350,000. So somebody needs to know something. And there's obviously not a plaque, you know, around here that lists the name of some benevolent sugar mama or sugar daddy that wrote a check for the whole thing, right? Not saying we're opposed to that, Bill and Melinda, if you're listening. I'm just saying... (laughs) That, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of people have sacrificed a lot to get us here and we've had great people stretching every dollar. And the truth of the matter is, you guys, money management, it's, it's not brain surgery, okay? Don't spend more than you have, work off of a budget, and make sure you have a squeaky tight CFO that your whole staff is afraid of. He's sitting on the second row down there, okay? If you've got that, you know, you can run a church pretty well. It's not that hard. You just have to stay within what you're supposed to be doing. And the truth is, the Bible is the best money management tool out there. It's the best money management book. Jesus talked more about it than anything else. Why? Because Jesus knows at the end of our life, we're going to look back and have a closet full of elephant heads that we thought were so important and we're going to leave it all behind. And as we go on to the next journey, we don't get a carry-on. You know that? I mean, you don't get to get 3.4 ounces of nothing on the next journey. We don't even get to take our bodies. Amen? Anybody? The gym rats are like, oh, man, I've been working so hard. No, you don't get it. It doesn't matter. Okay? Only our souls go on and the stuff that we sent on ahead. That's the only thing. So tomorrow matters. This is why the Apostle Paul said, command them not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment, and command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age and so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We've been talking about this around here. Week one, we said if we're going to get a hold of this financial situation, if this is going to be okay in our life, first thing we got to do is figure out where we are. Because you can't follow a GPS signal to some place you're going if it doesn't know where you are. So the very first place to start is to sit down and go, okay, well, where's, what's our financial situation look like? And number two was no more debt. We're just not going to take any more debt because debt is a dumb explanation for buying things. You know, just don't buy anything else. I'm a, I, I mean, there's, this, not that debt is evil, but if you're going to get a hold of this... You're going to have to figure out how to stop doing that. I looked this up this week. You know, I mean, you get an application for a credit card in the mail. What does it say? Free money, right? Free money for a certain amount of time or whatever. Low interest rate for life. You never hear the word debt. I, I dare you, when, when you go back and go through the mail, look, look through a credit card app and see if the word debt is in there. And here's the synonyms for debt In Roger's thesaurus, to owe, to be obligated, liable, in deficit, default, insolvent, encumbered, tied up, indigent, destitute, needy, lacking, bereft, bereaved, reduced, embarrassed, broke, busted. See any of those in the Capital One application that you get in the mail? No, none of those are there, right? But the Bible very clearly says the borrower is the servant to the lender. And not all debt is bad. Uh, I mean, you know, some of us own things that appreciate it in value, your home and those kinds of things. But it gives us a lot of warnings about what debt is going to look like. So, you know, we're giving you these credit cards today. Everybody get a credit card on the way in. And what I want you to do with this credit card, well, first of all, don't try to use it, Okay. (laughs) Because here's what's going to happen now. I mean, I'm just thinking you're, you're going you're gonna to pull it out accidentally and you're going to swipe it, you know, just mindly at Starbucks while you're trying to get some caffeine. And they're going to go, oh, it must be a chip. And then you're going to be looking for the chip and then you're going to be like, oh, no, this isn't really a credit card. This, what I want you to do is put this right in the front, okay, like right by your driver's license, right in the front, over the Costco card, over everything else. So that as you're pulling stuff out, you have to go, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to, I'm not going to go into debt for this. I'm not going to put this on my credit card car, okay? Then week two, we said, Pastor Todd said we're going to start living with some margin. Because when your margin increases, uh, your stress decreases. And the number one financial pressure people feel today is finances. Number one cause of divorce is finances. Most Americans are living one paycheck to one paycheck. If they miss one, if something happens, they're in trouble. And, And that's bad. And the Bible says it very plainly. This is a paraphrase, but this is Proverbs 21. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. so this is God's IQ test. How smart are you? Okay? That's that's what we gotta figure out, okay? My friend Gene Apple preached on this last week, and, and I stole this idea from him. He said, Here's what's important for us to understand tomorrow matters. And when we realize tomorrow matters, we will change the way we live today. Financial expert Dave Ramsey says it this way live like nobody else today so that you can live like nobody else tomorrow. In other words, don't, you know, don't just follow the crowd and get in debt and end up, in, in, you know, going bankrupt like he did originally. You've got to realize that when t- when tomorrow is out there, it'll change everything. It changes the way I pray. It changes the way I serve. It changes the way I manage my financial resources. Just because the world is strapped and the world is bad money managers doesn't mean we have to. Okay? Live like nobody else Today, so you can live like nobody else tomorrow. And and I don't know if you saw this viral video today th- this week. Um, this guy's got a dead cat out in the middle of the road. I, you know he doesn't know where the da- dead cat came from. Got hit by a car, and all of a sudden he looks out and there's a swarm of wild turkeys. Now they're not carnivores. Wild turkeys. Some of you saw it, right? And and they're just marching around in a circle around this dead cat. And l- let me show you. Then I'll explain.
1: Yo, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Turkeys walking in a circle around a dead cat in the middle of the road. What? Bro, this is wild.
0: Nobody has any explanation. The internet was full of it, you know? like Some of them were like, well, maybe they're like witch, you know, Satan worshipers, and they're trying to get him to come back to life, and and somebody said, well, maybe that cat used to taunt the turkeys, and they're like, yeah, you're dead. Ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch is dead. But here's what I think. Turkeys aren't very smart animals. I don't know if you know that or not. That's why we eat them, okay? I think what happened is one of the turkeys came walking along, and he saw the cat, and he started looking at it. And another turkey said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking at this cat. And they just started going around in circles and around in circles. And pretty soon the whole gang of them, just, and I don't know how long they stood out there, but I guarantee you that's what happened. And, and, and as I watched that video, I thought, that's the world when it comes to finances right now, right? The average American has 13 credit cards. Oh, I only have 10. I better get three more, right? I don't have any money for college. That's okay. Just borrow it. It's no big deal. You're gonna make a lot of money when you graduate. Oh, no, let's just keep walking. I mean, that, thats just what happens, right? But you gotta live like nobody else. You gotta break off from the turkeys, okay? You gotta—you gotta get out from there and realize that tomorrow matters and do something about it. Week three, we talked about gaining the right perspective, and, and that's really important. That it's all God's, and He loans it to us, and that you know, it's the Fry story of going to McDonald's and and you give your kids some fries, but you don't get any, and then you reach over, or you've eaten all yours, and you reach over to get one, and they go, no. And we talked about how, man, I mean, you, have, you are the source of the fries. They don't understand that. You have the power over the fries. You can take them all if you want because they're your kid. I mean, that's not cruelty. I'm just saying. And, and, and all you really wanted was for them to share, right? And this is why the Bible says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you're not sharing your fries with God, it's pretty hard to answer this one. Not that you don't love God, but you've fallen into the trap. And the King James Version, those of you who grew up with that version, it said God and mammon. And that was probably always confusing, but, but the literal term here is not money that you're serving. It's the god of money. It's when money becomes a god for you, sort of a deity, like a demon. Here's a 20th century painting of the god Mammon. And this poor woman is just there like, my precious, right? My precious, give me money. And he's holding the bag of money over her head like a, a milk bone for a dog. That's the problem with it, okay? God hates us being chained up by mammon who's holding it over our head. This is why 43% of the parables Jesus told were about this issue. This is why 1 in 10 verses of Scripture in the New Testament, 2,300 verses talk about money, five times more than talk about prayer, five times more than talk about faith. Why? Because it is the number one temptation to get in the way of God. And it's a test. Jesus said, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? So I interviewed Dave Ramsey, I'm always impressed, impressed. 13 million listeners every week, always impressed with how, as a Christian company, they deal with the public. I mean, it's not a Christian show, it's a money management show, and they always tell people how to manage their money, and I asked him about it. I appreciate the fact that you are a Christian-based company, but you don't have to talk about giving, and yet you do. So somebody's got a, a, they're listening to your show for the first time, they got a messed up. Budget and everything else you still tell them to give talk about partnership with
1: God and what that means Well, it's to me. It's pretty simple. God's ways work. The other ways don't I've tried both mm. You know, I was stupid went broke didn't do it that way I'm gonna do it God's way and so when I read about how to handle money in the scriptures and I've done that for 30 years yeah. I've studied the scriptures over and over and you know when you teach on something everybody challenges you so I've been challenged had those yeah. good Christian arguments, right? Yeah. So I, I, I mean I'm this is what I do Everywhere in Scripture you talk about giving, it's first. It's first, it's first, it's first. Now, this is my Heavenly Father who's crazy about me. I'm crazy about my kids my grandkids. He loves me more, if we being evil, know how to give our kids good gifts, how much more so our Father in Heaven. So, it, it, He loves me even more than I love them, and He's saying, hey, Dave, here, son, here's how you live. The first thing you do is you give. Now, I can try to intellectualize that, and I can try to figure it out, or I can go, yes, sir, and I'll reap the benefits. Now, you can intellectualize it. You can start to understand it, and you should as you mature in your faith. Blind faith is one thing, I guess, but faith that's well thought out is another. I don't have any problem with that at all. But, but the bottom line is that's where I started. You know, the tithe is off the top. It's first fruits before I do anything else. It's a baseline for my giving to my local church. local church is representation of the Old Testament storehouse, takes care of the widows, the orphans, and the Levites, the preachers, the single moms, and, and the babies that need to be fed, yeah. and that's what the local church is called to do. And so you pour your tithe into that storehouse, and I've done that, and it's no guarantee that if you just do that, you're going to win. You can be done with everything else, do that, and still fail. Right.
0: We're not talking about prosperity gospel. Exactly. I because mean, yeah. one
1: lady, you know, I, I tied all the way into bankruptcy court. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it didn't work, you know. And I tied all the way out. One lady said, "You don't have enough, you don't have enough faith." And I said, "Well, that's all I got left. They took everything else." So you know, but uh, so so giving for me, you know, as a financial guy and as a guy, for me it's just practical. It's what the formula is to win. Do the formula. Don't do the formula. You're not going to win. This is the formula. God says it. Either you believe in Him or you don't. Either you believe that Bible is His word or you don't. And if you do, then do it. Now once you start doing it, you start to think about okay, why is this working? Then you can get into that well thought out faith phase. And what you start to realize is giving people, generous people, are happy people. Generous people are attractive. You want to be around selfish people? I don't want to be around selfish people. Look like they were weaned on a pickle. I want to be around people that are happy and attractive. And the guy that opens the door, you know, the gal that helps you pick up your groceries when they're rolling around the parking lot because the bottom fell out of your bag. You know, this is generous people. You think of people that are generous and they're selfless, they're not selfish. And every time I give, it makes me more of that guy than the other guy
0: which is who that guy is.
1: Exactly. And and what ends up happening is I'm attractive. And it, attractive people they end up successful. It's strange. Mm-hmm. Selfish people don't end up successful. Yeah. They don't cuz nobody wants to help them. Nobody wants to be there for them. Everybody wants them to fall down. And they do fall down. Yeah. You know? And and so, you know, I, I it I think it's an equation. I think it's a biblical God heaven based equation. Mm-hmm.
0: So let me explain it to you, the equation that Dave teaches that we teach that I believe is uh, the best way for you to handle your money. And I'm going to tell you this right now. um, If you're not living this way but you're raising kids, I hope that you'll go home and teach your kids this. Because at some point we need to get the turkeys out of the circle, okay? And hopefully maybe if we can't do it, at least our kids can't, okay? Here's, Here's life in... Three buckets, okay? Basically, there are three ways that you can invest, okay? You can invest in today, you can invest in tomorrow, or you can invest eternally. All right, Pastor Todd said there are five things you can basically do with money, right? You can spend it, you can repay debt, you can pay taxes, you can save, you can give. Those five things are really the only things that you can possibly do with money all right? The truth of the matter is that's usually our priority, isn't it? I mean, we spend it. We have to repay debt because we know, you know, at least a minimum payment. Got to pay taxes or we're going to go to jail. And maybe we'll save if we automate it. Maybe we will. And then we can give if there's something left over. There's some of the fries left over at the end of the pack and we don't want them, you know, then we can give those to God, okay? And this isn't to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to help you understand there's a plan. If you don't have a plan, it's not going to work. So all five of these things end up in one. One of these three buckets, right? When we, when we spend, pay debt, pay taxes, that's the today bucket, okay? When we save, it's the tomorrow bucket, and when we give, it is the eternal bucket, okay? The, the, the Bible tells us that, you know, it's okay to have stuff and everything, that's great, but the Bible teaches us that we need to do this, and not enough people are doing the tomorrow bucket, Okay, I mean, the Bible says be like the ant who is gathering food for the winter because winter's coming. Okay, while it's summer, you should be gathering this up. And usually if we don't automate it, we're not going to end up with anything it that we save along the way. And our retirement is going to look something like this. Okay, we're going to be... Uh selling Girl Scout cookies, okay? And, and then when we, when we give to God, it causes things to go in the eternal bucket, where, where people find Jesus and it changes their life for eternity because we're laying up, as Jesus said, treasures in heaven, right? That's the eternal bucket. And there may be people right now at Parkview sitting by you at one of our campuses, maybe at a future campus that's going to happen that doesn't know about Jesus yet that is going to come up and greet you in heaven because you invested in their eternity. That's pretty important. And I know, I, I know right up front, some of you are not in a position to be thinking about this and hearing this, you're a, a single mom who's not got enough support. You've lost your job. You had a cataclysmic thing happen in your life, whatever. It, this is not a, your life is not about not paying attention right now. Your GPS is fine. There's just not a signal where you are right now, okay? And I understand what you're talking about. But what I, what, and we want to help you, okay? But most of us are doing this. We're doing this backwards, Because what the Bible says we should be doing is the exact opposite. Same five things you can do. We should give first. We should save second. We should do the spending and the paying debt and paying taxes back. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. The idea is you say to God, God, your first place in my life. Everything comes from you. You're the owner. I'm just the manager. So I'm honoring you first. The Bible says, be sure to set aside a tenth of your field. And when we talk about a tithe, that's 10%. Set aside a tenth of your field that you produce each year so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. So that, what? We put it in the eternal bucket so that we know that God is there and we're trusting him. And we're saying, I believe that you're there. Now, Jesus didn't command us to tithe, but he did Tell us to store up treasures in heaven. He did say give to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. So you just talk to Jesus about what he wants you to do. But please don't come to me and try to twist scripture around so that you think that God doesn't care about how you manage your fries. It's everywhere in scripture. We live in the New Testament. We're not saved by the law. We're not saved by how much we give or how good we are or any of those things, and I'm so thankful for that. But where in the the New Testament do you see Jesus taking the Old Testament law down a notch? I mean, if you think about this, the Old Testament law was don't commit adultery. Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even lust because it's really about what's in here, not what happens out here. You've heard it said, don't commit murder. I tell you, don't even hate. See, he's bringing it up a level. You have heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I'm telling you, love your enemies. What's he doing? He's bringing it up a notch. Because he knows that the best life for us is when our heart is in the right place. And our treasures and our hearts are always, they're always joined. There's nothing else you can do. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously, this is farmer terms. I, I know most of you don't get this, but if you've got a bag of seed, you can either make that seed into bread and eat it, or you can go out and sow it. You can decide. But here's what he says, the, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's what happens when we do it according to God's plan. Not only that, Paul says, New Testament, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God says, my giving really reveals how much I love my God. I may say I love God, but if if there's not an eternal bucket going on, it's not really showing me. Let me give you an example. Let's just say I come to my wife one day and I say, honey, I love you so much, I'm going to buy you a diamond ring. I found a, a, a pawn shop over on 95th Street that has some really nice rings at a really good price. And I want you to go down to that pawn shop and I want you to pick out the cheapest ring that you can find because I want to show my love for you. I don't know where the rings came from, I might have been a dead person, I, doesn't, you know, I don't know, I, that's how much I love you. Does that work? Some of you young guys are like, there's a pawn shop on 95th? Mm. No, no, listen, trust us, okay? This is, not, this is not a good idea. You go buy it there and lie to her and tell her, you know, it must have gone to Jared, but, but it doesn't matter, okay? It's the heart thing that's what's important. So let me go back to this. Tomorrow matters. When we realize tomorrow matters, it'll change the way that we live today. And interestingly, the number 10 in the Bible, I didn't really think about this until my, my friend Gene brought it up, 10 in the Bible is a number for a test. I mean, it's a testing number. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Okay. I gave you a big hint on the test. Okay, right up front. And so the answer is just going to be 10. Are you, are you, it you, doesn't matter. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Yeah, good. How many commandments were there? 10. Ten. Yeah, good. You're getting this, right? Because our obedience was tested by the commandments. Do you want to guess how many times Israel was tested while they were wandering in the desert? Very good, yeah. And Revelations 2.10 even talks about how there's going to be 10 days of testing when it comes to the tribulation someday. It's crazy, isn't it? And, of course, Jesus had how many disciples? I got you. He had 12. That was just a test, and you failed. The Number 10 is associated all through the Bible with testings. Uh, That's why God says, honor me with the first 10%. It represents a test for your followership of God. So here's how it works in our house, okay? Um, And it has all of my life. It has all of our married life. We've taught our kids this. They're following the 10-10-80 plan also. It goes like this. I know it's tricky math, so I'm just going to show you. We take the first dollar that comes in and we put it in the eternal bucket. The second dollar goes in the save bucket. And actually for us, this is not even true because it's way more than that now. And you take the rest and you put it in the the, the today bucket and you do whatever you want to. Okay. Was that too fast? Let me try it again. Okay. Here we go. There's, there's $1. Out of 10, we put it right in there. That's our tithe. We take and we save in the tomorrow bucket because tomorrow matters and eternal tomorrow matters. So we put the first two in there. And the other eight, we do whatever it is that we want to with it. And it may take you a while to get to that point. I understand that. But, but this is how tomorrow matters for us. And there's probably more sophisticated plans out there. But I got to tell you, in 33 years of marriage and 55 years of life, I have always lived this and God has always been faithful and we have always been blessed. And it could transform your tomorrow. So that's why I did this last week. i want to do it again. you got the card in there. If you haven't done this yet, take it out and perforate it uh, because we're going to pass the offering for the last time in a minute. Okay? Pretty monumental. Pretty monumental. We're going to pass the offering for the last time. So put something in there. Your chapstick or a pocket knife or, or you know... <laughs> some lint out of your pocket, because it's the last time, man. And so because of that, we're, uh, we're, we're doing this three-month tithing challenge, because I believe in this so much, that I want to challenge you for three months to take the dive, okay? And the top part you can take with you, and it just kind of explains things a little bit. And the bottom part, just fill out and throw it in the basket. If you already are a tither, if you already do this, then fill it out and throw it in so other people can see. I mean, I, I you know, and, and, and hopefully you're already doing it online, that this is how this works. For three months, I want to challenge you to try this, all right? You're going to hear testimony from somebody that did in a minute. Try it for three months and see what happens. And you can see all the legal jargon on the back. If you do this, and you record it in, a, in such a way that we can track it, and you get three months away from here, and you're like, yeah, that was snake oil, Harlow. I, I am. Not, this is not working. We'll give you your money back. It's a money-back guarantee because I believe in it that much. I believe that this is the best thing that you could do for your spiritual life this summer is to take God at his word and trust him in this area. And because we're not passing the offering anymore, I want to encourage you to automate it through your bank or through us, parkviewchurch.com slash give. You're like, that's a crazy idea, not passing the bucket. Wait a minute, listen. 2,000 years ago, Paul said, now about the collection for God's people, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. See, that? What is that? That's automated, generous percentage giving in 1 Corinthians 16. That's exactly what it is. Like, don't just wait around and see what happens and see what you got left over. No, no, you set it aside. You put the first 10 in there. You set it aside, and you, put it, you automate it. Then you don't have to think about it ever again. It's our, you know, the only way we have our retirement is a 401K or a 403B. The only way we have education is a 529 plan. If you spell God on your phone, it's 463. I'm challenging you with the 463 plan. God said, bring the tithe to the storehouse, okay, The church is the storehouse. It's the mutual fund so that you can support the poor. You can plant churches in in Brazil and help the people in Malawi, and you could support kids' ministry. We've baptized over 8,000 people since I've been the pastor here. This is a darn good storehouse. That's what you do, and you invest in that first. And automate it, because we're not passing the baskets. On your way out, all your campuses, you will notice we have the offering boxes in, because there's some of you that are still going to want to bring your check and, or forget to automate or whatever and want put, to put cash in. The boxes are there on your way out. You can see them, and uh, we wanted to make them very easy for you, but we're not going to pass anymore. Because if this is about you and God, and we don't want to freak out the new people that are coming by passing an empty basket in front of them. Here's what I want to encourage you with. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. It'll be, it'll be like soda that's shaken up and it will be pressed down and it will blow up and roll over into your lap. That's, that's, that's a very slight paraphrase of exactly what Jesus said. <laughs> he didn't have soda, but it, it would pour over into your lap. That's what he said. Old Testament... See if God will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Apostle Paul said, you'll be made rich in every way. I mean, it's such an easy thing for me to, 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 to challenge you with that I guaranteed
2: it, all right? Listen
0: to the Kenyan's testimony.
2: So when we first started dating, she was a member here and was coming and invited me. And I just didn't want any part of... Coming to church, I think I came in once or twice and was like, not, not for me.
3: I didn't have much of a church background, um, but when I started coming to Parkview, at some point one of the sermons was about giving and that it wasn't about that the church needed my finances or my giving, it was more about me showing my dedication. Um, So I began tithing pretty early on. When we met, I continued to do so, despite the fact that he questioned my intentions, the church's intentions, uh, and when we combined our finances, is I think when we had the hardest time, because I was sticking to the fact that my income was gonna be tithed, at the very least.
2: The weekend after we got married was the whole ABCs of Financial Freedom. I said, all right, I'll challenge you. It worked, it really did.
3: There were times when work dried up and the paychecks got smaller and smaller that he would question if we could financially afford to even tithe. And there were weeks that he would not work the entire week. We would literally not know where the next paycheck was gonna come from.
2: Or the next meal or the next, how we're paying for anything. And in that process, I mean, we had a house, we had a rental property I think was vacant at some point. We didn't know how we were gonna pay and all of a sudden I'd get a phone call at 10 o'clock at Saturday night. Hey, come to work. Something happened and worked 24 hours. I basically had a week's pay in one night and covered everything that we needed. And we always gave the, on top of that, gave first right away. And in the end, he, uh, he entrusted us with more money. More, I mean, he has definitely blessed us beyond belief.
3: The church had started um, a campaign and Pastor Tim challenged everyone that day and simply said, think of anything else. Is there any other way that you can give? And we had been kicking around the idea for years about trying to unload a rental property that we had.
2: I looked at her, I said, I think we need to get rid of the house, and we put it up 4th of July weekend and it sold in six days.
3: We were able to write a check that we could have never imagined writing a check for, and we were happy with being able to walk away from the house. Many people have asked us, you know, was it hard? No, not at all, because that was why we sold the house. That was the challenge that we put out there and said, if you do this, we will donate the money, and we did.
2: It was investing in our kids' future, for a place for them to grow up and for their friends and challenge God, see what's gonna happen.
3: As you give, keep your eyes open. Sometimes you look for a monetary response and that's, that's not always what you see. Whereas we're giving monetarily, our, our lives are so rich in other places because of it.
2: It's nice to have money, but it's nice to be able to give it and, and see it impact other people. That's beautiful. I'm telling you,
0: just try it. You have nothing to fear, okay? I mean, if you chicken out in two weeks, nobody's going to come knocking on your door. You know, I know Guido, but he won't be coming, all right? I promise. Um, I just I want to challenge you because you're going to see God do amazing things. Command those who are rich in this present world, that's all of us in one way or another, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's what Dave Ramsey said. Now, I know how I want to take care of my kids. God's much better than I am. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I just, I just wish every one of you had enough faith that you could trust God in this area because when you start trusting him in this area, it's going to open up every other area of your life. He said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. That's a promise from God to you. So if you haven't done it, or if you did it already, whatever, I want to challenge you to take this, put it in the offering. We're going to wait about a minute before we pass the offering. Um, Last time you're going to see it, you know, shed a little tear as it comes by um, during this special song, and then we'll do communion together. Um, I started out, you know, by telling you about this. It's always better to make the journey uh, than to worry about the stuff that you're leaving behind because it's just going to end up in your closet or somebody else's.